We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 7 DraftKings picks at each position, top stacks, maybe even some fades if the guest is feeling frisky enough. Remember, you out there, smash the like button to the video in the comments section. Please give me your favorite DST on the main slate for DraftKings. That's what we're talking here, the Millionaire Maker slate on DraftKings. No Monday night, no Thursday night, no Sunday night. Those games off the main slate. This is the main slate only. So if you have questions about those games, consult the showdown videos that we have up on Mayo Media Network. Please subscribe to Mayo Media Network if you are watching this video. Help out the cause. Support the Pat Mayo Experience, the Dogger Pass podcast. Big UFC card this week, too, if you want to go check that out. And all of the other videos that we have up there right now. Please, if you're listening to the audio podcast, rate and review. As always, my cheat sheet will be up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com, as are my seasonal rankings. You can find everything in the description of this video and podcast. If you're looking for my DraftKings Pivot Plays for the week, that'll be up at FTNDaily.com completely free. And when you're over there, you might want to check out some of the free tools, the Air Yards tools, Opportunity share red zone usage all free up on ftndaily.com then there's the premium tools the optimizer the projections the ownership projections the cornerback wide receiver matchups if you want access to the premium tools use code mayo get yourself a discount on something that's already discounted because yeah we're pretty much deep into the season right now can't be charging full price into week seven that would be crazy so get yourself a discount just off the hop then use code mayo get yourself more of a discount at ftndaily.com here representing FDNDaily.com on the line. I was thinking about who the biggest fish I could get as a guest could be, and it's Elliot Chris. What's up? Oh, it's been a fun week for me on Twitter, man. Um, you know, the, the world acts like they've never tilted before. Uh, was sitting there with Justin Jefferson and Julio Jones stacks, feeling really good about fading A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry and Chase Claypool uh, chalk, and then they all went off in the final nine minutes. Um, we're looking at a guy in Derrick Henry who had 12 points with 10 minutes to go in a game that was trailing, and then he went for 43. So uh, Twitter's been having fun with it, but it's it's all good, man. It, it's If you can't laugh at yourself, you know, what's the point? And that's why I had to rock the Texans hat, not only because Deshaun Watson's in a great spot this week, but as a little bit of a crow for the team that I was I was hoping to stop, Henry, that couldn't stop, that can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah, I ended up playing Mike Davis instead of Derrick Henry. That was dumb. Yeah, um, Davis got was getting the Christian McCaffrey usage all season long, right? And it, it cut, that game got ugly, we got slow. There was nothing really that was happening at all. I don't think Davis was another chalky play. I thought he had more receiving upside. We're looking at a guy that saw eight or more targets, was third in the league in targets um, when he was starting. So uh didn't work out. Obviously, Henry boomed. And, you know, that's DFS though, right? Like yeah. sometimes you fade high-owned guy and they go off. Sometimes you play uh, – low on guy and nothing happens and 
know, that's DFS, and you, you got to be able to go with the swings up and down because uh, you can't just play 30% guys every time and take down tournaments, and, you know, sometimes those guys will go off and they'll sink you. Well, fortunately, I was on Julio along with you and Jefferson along with you, and people were giving me shit for Kirk Cousins in the first half. Man, once the second half came around, I didn't hear from those people anymore after he put up 30 DraftKings points. But here's the big thing. There are three games on the slate this week that I think that everyone is going to gravitate towards, at least in some form. I'm trying to decipher which is going to be the most popular of those games that people are going to target, which one is going to be the least popular of those games that people are going to target. Because I think trying to find the least popular one might be the right route. Last week, it was that Texans game that people I thought more people would be going to it but everyone just kind of jammed in Atlanta guys uh along with Detroit guys and or not Detroit guys uh, Minnesota guys and that's the route that they went and it was paid off a ton of points were scored in that game but getting the low owned stack could be the viable way to get access to a lot of these points and the three of them this week Detroit at Atlanta a 55 game total Packers at Houston a 57 game total a clash of the two worst run defenses in the league by the way i was gonna say steelers steelers and titans is 50 and a half somehow and seahawks at cardinals 56 of those three games the the very really high over 54 type games which one is your favorite so i think it's the packers versus texans game and i know it's the highest total uh, but you look at the sean watson this year and he's completing 85.9 percent of his passes from a clean pocket that's absurd. It's number one in the league. The Packers are the second worst team at getting pressure, generating pressure on just 17% of dropbacks. We talked about the fact that the Texans can't stop anybody. The Packers have been great in four games this year against bottom ranked defenses, scoring 30 or more points in all four of those games, over 40 twice. And they obviously struggled with the Bucks defense, but that's not going to happen this week against that Texans defense that can't stop running backs. They can't stop receivers. They can't stop tight ends. And on the other side of the ball, that Packers defense has not been very good. I know guys like Jair Alexander are big names, but I'm not particularly worried about um, Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller, who's been a top 12 PPR wide receiver this year and scored over 15 DK points in every game that he finished, right? He had the one game where he left early. He's a touchdown machine. Watson's still underpriced. He's starting to use his legs more since the coaching change. Uh, you know, before the coaching change, one game over 20 DK points. Afterwards, um, all three games have gone over 23 DK points. I think that game's got a ton of good matchups, but it's it's and I th- it's my favorite of the three. But don't get me wrong. There's a lot of reasons to like Lions and Falcons. There's a lot of reasons to like Seahawks and Cardinals. Uh, the Seahawks defense is so bad. Uh, you know, using the the advanced wide receiver defense first position where you can see right wide receiver, left wide receiver, slot wide receiver. Amazingly enough, the Seahawks are wor- worse than the NFL against all three. I don't even know how that's possible, but they did it. Um, <laughs> they can't cover anyone. They generate no pressure. Um, there's a lot of reasons to really like that game. I'm wondering if it's a little bit lower because sometimes people look at divisional historical matchups and Russell Wilson's only thrown for over 200 yards in one of the last four games against the Cardinals. But this is a different Seahawks team than the past years, right? Their defense is so much worse. They're throwing the highest rate above expectation in the NFL this year. They're letting Russ cook. And I know that that Cardinals defense has some decent numbers, but I really think it has a lot to do with the opponents they've played. Guys like the Chets, guys like Andy Dalton. The 49ers offense is not particularly good. The Panthers uh, offense is average. Um, They don't scare me and no Chandler Jones, no one to get pressure on Russ. That's a really, really enticing game. And the Lions-Falcons is, you know, the Falcons can't cover anybody. And with Julio Jones, that offense is night and day. So let's jump into the Packers-Texans just for a second, because last week, one of the keys to making money in that Atlanta game with Minnesota, with Alexander Madison being so highly owned and such a high price, the move was just to take, I mean, you could have left Thielen out of it when all was said and done, but Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson, just make that your stack, avoid Madison and bring it back with Julio and Ridley or whatever you want to do. It turned out Julio and Hurst were probably the way to do it for the savings that you can get. But that was a way to fade a very highly owned player, but still get access to that game. That's what I'm thinking about with this Packers and Texans game. Could you just try to figure out where the ball is going to go on the Packers side of the ball? Because I think Aaron Jones is going to be very popular. I think those Texans receivers and Deshaun Watson is going to be very popular. Could you just play the opposite version of that? Play Rodgers, play Adams, play David Johnson bringing it back. David Johnson has seen his carries increase every single game this season. And like I mentioned, in terms of giving up DraftKings points, 
the Packers are second worst in the league to the Texans. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are giving up 7.6 points over expectation, the highest running back um, number in the NFL so far this year. Uh, they can't cover running backs to save their life. We're looking at a team that is 32nd DVOA covering running backs. Now, the concern is that Watson hasn't targeted David Johnson nearly as much as we'd like, right, with a guy that, you know, he's only thrown to running backs 14.9% of the time this season. But that's a great way to gain leverage because he's got touchdown equity in the offense, and it's kind of what got me to Justin Jefferson last week where Thielen and Madison were the two of the five highest projected owned players on the slate. You know, if they didn't go off, the Vikings were going to score points, and who was it going to go to? It was going to go to Justin Jefferson. So, in general, that's that's how uh, Aaron Jones had his monster game against the Lions, right? Where everyone went to Devontae Adams after he had that monster performance. He was in a fantastic matchup. He was seeing over 10 targets in, what, 13 of 14 games, and he was 30% on, and Aaron Jones was like 12% on. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, ways to stack these games up, especially when you're running multiple teams and say, listen, this is the really popular way to attack this very high scoring game. If it doesn't go the way people expect and points are still scored, someone's got to do it. Right. And I think the Texans tight ends are really interesting in this one. If Aikens plays, he was the number one tight end. Packers can't cover tight ends. Um He's only 3,300, I believe. Uh, if he doesn't go, Darren Fells is in another great spot. So you can definitely get interesting in this game. So let's go to the very top of the running back board for week seven on the main slate on DraftKings. Kamara is the number one option, but he's only $7,900 against the Panthers, which I thought was somewhat surprising. Zeke, after his fumbleitis, is $7,800. Derrick Henry, your guy, at $7,500. You got Aaron Jones in that glorious matchup, $72. Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Mike Davis, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Todd Gurley at $6,000. That's just $6,000 and up. Just objectively looking at it, where do you think that you would want to start building your teams? I mean, Aaron Jones is probably, or he's he's in as good of a matchup as you could ask for, and it's $7,200 coming off a down performance against a Bucks defense that makes everyone have a down performance. You could make a really strong argument there uh, that he is a fantastic play. Alvin Kamara is point per dollar, I think, or total projection, probably the best play on the slate. You know, the Panthers give up the most expected fantasy points of any team to the NFL and the NFL to running backs. They are historically bad run defense. They also can't cover running backs and they missed the fourth most tackles in the NFL this year. Well, Alvin Kamara is forcing 6.8 missed tackles per game. Now it'll be interesting to monitor whether or not Michael Thomas comes back, right? He's had disciplinary issues. He's got the ankle issue. Now he's battling a hamstring issue. Um, Kamara has seen over eight targets in three of the four games that he's missed this year. His usage is phenomenal. In general, that game sets up very well for the Saints, whose offensive line has been one of the most dominant in all of football. Um, and the Panthers' defensive line has been one of the most susceptible in all of football. They're also, you know, they're a pass funnel. They haven't allowed a um, rusher to go over 100 yards in 31 games, which is the longest streak since 1992 Philadelphia Eagles. And that allows there to be a lot more plays, which gets Kamara really involved. So I think he and um, Jones are the two best plays, but they're also going to be the two highest owned plays. Uh, one guy in that range that I think is interesting, is, or there's a couple guys. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think, is really interesting, right, against the Bengals defense that we saw in week two. The Browns just blew them off the line of scrimmage. This is a team that's bottom seven in every adjusted defensive line metric. The Browns are, you know, three-point favorites in this game. They're going to really lean on that run game that has been dominant against bad teams. I do want to point out that Wyatt Teller right now looks like he's not going to play. You might say, who's Wyatt Teller? He's been the best guard in football this year per PFF. He missed that Steelers game. They got blown up, obviously, against a much better defense. But that's a slight knock to Hunt. But we saw his usage. It's really been there without Chubb. So I think he's a really good play. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or Elair, however we want to say it, I think he's a really intriguing play this week. Um, because I think Le'Veon Bell may step more into the Daryl Williams role than we expect, and then people who are going to over-adjust for um, Bell's return. Larry's only $6,100. He's due for more positive regression than any other player in the NFL. He's cursed inside the five-yard line. I get it. He only has one touchdown. Based on his usage, you'd expect four and a half touchdowns. So he's got a lot of touchdown regression coming. This is a team that has been running a lot when they get up big. They're nine-point favorites, and the weather dictates – 
with snow and wind, more running. The Broncos also are due for more negative regression than any other rushing defense in the NFL. Again, these are per, per the FTN Daily uh, expected fantasy points and expected team points um, tools that we have over there. So I think he's a really intriguing GPP play at just $6,100. The issue with him is going to be that do you really want – I get the idea of – hey, here's a guy who's going to be very lowly owned, could have massive upside. And you talked about the weather in the game. We don't necessarily know what his role is going to be. But wouldn't the better play be someone like Joe Mixon, who's approximately the same price, who you know is going to get the ball? And the only reason that no one's using him because the matchup is bad? Well, this is, I mean, we're early, right? When we're recording this on Thursday morning. So we don't necessarily have the best ownership projections. If they're similarly owned, I would lean Mixon. I would anticipate Mixon is going to be three times as owned as ceh right now uh because yeah, but, he's but, a short but that could be six percent to two percent yeah oh well, like, right it's the question of is it five percent to fifteen percent because you're right if he's six percent to two percent then mixon is probably the better play um you know you want mixon's going to be involved especially when the Bengals are in close games it's kind of amazing that he didn't blow up last week when they went up 21 points you know he got tackled inside the one yard line joe burrow then uh, had a qb sneak and then Giovanni Bernard had a rush on third down for like two yards to score a touchdown. So he just missed having, having a monster day. Um, Mixon is absolutely a good play. I just wanted to point out that I think Alaire is going to get no ownership and no looks. And I actually think it's, it's a decent spot for him this week. Well, I actually think maybe the, I don't want to say the best play on the slate is if we go back up to the top of the running back pricing. Like, like you said, Kamara and Aaron Jones are going to suck up a lot of ownership at the top. But if we just really look at it, coming off a game that everyone watched where he was not good, yet still scored a ton of fantasy points, Zeke at $7,800 against Washington, who does have a good defense, but he has 110 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in each of his past three games against Washington. And if you look, albeit a very small sample size, Dalton's dot was 25% lower than Dax this season. Dax still caught eight balls last week and his six-plus catches in four of his past five. So if we think about how this game is going to go, we know that Washington's going to bring a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton. They have no one to block for him. It's going to be quick dump-offs to Zeke or try to establish Zeke on the ground, presuming he gets like his full job back from Tony Pollard and doesn't fumble the ball on the first drive of the game I just don't see a lot of people going to him in this spot and that's usually how I like to play the top of the running back board is like if you're going to give me the four elite options give me the lowest owned one it's not like it's a horrendous matchup it's not the best matchup on the slate but it's also not the worst I mean he saw 11 targets last week uh that was painful by the way as someone who had Zeke over 30 and a half receiving yards (laughs) he kept getting targets not getting yards that one was a little painful uh, but he he did eventually get there. Uh, 11 targets, Andy Dolan has always been a guy that, you know, is willing to look underneath. And also that the I think his ownership will be even lower because Washington's defense is going to be the chalk defense of the week at $2,500 against a Cowboys offensive line that is just, you know, Zach Martin might miss this game. Travis Frederick retired, Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith are out. You're talking about all backups and they're all terrible. Um <laughs> So I think that's going to, you know, the fact that people, you don't play running backs and the opposing defense on the same lineup. So that's going to make him more unique there anyway. He's going to be the lowest on. He should get a lot of um, red zone work, um, sorry, um, targets. And he's got a tremendous touchdown equity in this offense. That's a pretty sharp call where he's probably going to be under 10%. And there's not many times you can get sub 10% owned. Ezekiel Elliott. What, what do you make of your guy? Like we talked about earlier, Derrick Henry going up against the Steelers. That's not a good matchup, but is he matchup proof? So I think Derrick Henry's, uh, it's really interesting with him is that the Steelers have been amazing at the line of scrimmage, but the thing that they've struggled with is the um, open field yards, right? Letting backs get beyond that five yard and then hitting big plays. We've seen, we saw Miles Sanders do it a week ago. That's obviously Derrick Henry's specialty. He's going to get a lot of volume in this game. His ownership should be pretty low in this matchup. It's a sneaky shootout opportunity in this one for this fact that the Titans have really been pushing the pace. Uh, You can throw on them, and that potentially could open up Derrick Henry. He's got so much touchdown equity. Um, I probably, you know, this is more the kind of spot where I like Derrick Henry, where he's 8% owned or 10% owned, not 30% owned. Um, But for me, I would probably lean Zeke over Henry. Uh, from an ownership perspective. And I definitely think raw points 
Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara are better plays. So if we go into those sixes, you mentioned Kareem Hunt. Like, I'm not – I mean, this is the last week I'm going to get to use Mike Davis, my guy. He let me down last week and still scored like 16 DraftKings points. So he played the most snaps of any running back in the league last week at 92%. He is still in the Christian McCaffrey role, just didn't come through. Like That that happens from time to time. But now he's down in price in a game where they're gigantic underdogs, so you could probably see his reception total go back up. I know the Saints are a a tough defense to run against, but he's going to get all the goal line work, and he is going to be the main option in that check down game for him. Do you have any interest in him, or would you go to like a Chris Carson, or would you just wait to see the ownerships on Edwards Hilaire and mixing those type of guys no i definitely think that davis is in play because of his receiving game usage right i mean you look at the game against the bucks where he came in for mccaffrey he saw eight targets in that game you know you can throw the ball to running backs against the saints defense it's just he's not don't count on him to get the 100 yard bonus you're really relying on him for his touchdown equity the fact that he's always on the field and has receiving game upside i do think chris carson you know you mentioned earlier how you how you can get different People are going to want to go to DK Metcalf. People are going to want to go to Tyler Lockett. They're going to want to go to Hopkins, um, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, all for really good reasons. And that game's going to have points. And if it doesn't go in the air, it's going to go to Chris Carson. So I think Chris Carson is a really good way to get leverage on that game as well. Well, I mean, even if you just look at him, Chris Carson has one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns in five games. He has at least three receptions in each of those six games so far this season. And I'm still not sure what the health status of Carlos Hyde is, which doesn't seem like it means anything. But if he sits out again and you're coming off this bye week where it's a get right situation for Carson, who was a bit banged up himself, that all of a sudden, you know, you could see his snap share increase from 65, 70 percent to 80 percent, which, again, doesn't seem like much, but it's very marginal. His price is down in what could be the highest scoring game of the week. It's not like Arizona stops anyone on the ground. No, I, I think he's a he's a really good play. Like if you're if you're going to say, let's say you stack up the Packers um, Texans game and you go with the Watson Fuller Aaron Jones, you probably want to run that back with Chris Carson because that other game is going to have points and then you're trying to be different because you're not going to be able to fit in all those receivers. I think that's a good way if you kind of go chalk your stack on one game and game stacks always lower your ownership regardless, but being having a leveraged play in the other high scoring game, I think makes a lot of sense. Now we go into the fives. I had mentioned David Johnson earlier, and I'm very curious to see how popular he ends up becoming this week just because of his price points, 5,300 bucks. It seems super cheap for a guy who's getting the volume that he's getting. Granted, he doesn't look great, although his underlying metrics might point to him being a little bit better than maybe we think. DeAndre Swift is right above him at $5,400, and if you think this game does shoot out, then DeAndre Swift, receiving game, you know he's going to be used there. If he can continue to get these goal line touches, then all of a sudden you're looking a lot better. Jarek appears like he'll have the main role. Uh, We talked about Gurley and potential game stacks. Melvin Gordon might be back against Kansas City. Don't love that. If not, then you're looking at Phillip Lindsay. Then you have the two Chargers guys. Joshua Kelly is $5,100, and Jackson is $4,900. I don't necessarily know if I want to get into a split situation, situation and in terms of a backfield when I have a guy like David Johnson who's in that exact same price range who's going to get all the work but for me it's David Johnson it's not close here yeah uh, David Johnson's in a phenomenal spot against a bottom defense in the highest total game uh you know and who's seen what over 16 rush attempts in every since the coaching change I mean he's going to be on the field he's going to get the football he's a great leverage play in that game um Kenyon Drake is only $4,800 that he didn't get the the price bump. That's cheap. Now, here's the problem with Drake is that he's been horrendous all year and then is coming off a a monster Sunday night performance. Obviously, got inflated a little bit by the 70-yard touchdown run. Uh, My condolences to Kevin Adams, who that cost him a GPP when he was up eight points um, in showdown with with one drive to go in the game. Nonetheless, I think he's really, I think he's intriguing as a way to be a little bit different in that game as well. Though, again, the Seahawks are definitely a pass funnel defense. Uh, Josh Kelly, you want to pay attention to Justin Jackson um, because he was, he passed him in terms of usage in the last game. They had their bye week and Jackson had a limited practice last week. If, if he doesn't go, then Kelly is a really intriguing play. Um, I, I just, you know, I, David Johnson's phenomenal. Swift's ownership, I think, is going to be popular in a game coming off that monster performance. Uh, Adrian Peterson is still there and still eats into some of that touchdown upside. But um, Antonio Gibson, the guy against Dallas, potentially stacking him up. We've talked about him a couple times. He has not hit. Uh, He's definitely going to be – he's going to run ahead of McKissick. 
McKissick is taking some of the pass game usage, but he's a way to stack up the Washington defense that'll be chalky and be a little bit different and just say, this Cowboys team is no good. I'm going to go with the Washington win there. But, you know, all in all, David Johnson, I think, is the best play in that price range. He really should be in the 6K range, not where he is right now. Yeah, the, I, the big issue just comes down to, like I said, people are going to want to play Swift coming off the big game. So that's going to suck some ownership away. I think if you want to stack that game up, I think the most logical stack that people will go to are Deshaun, Cooks, Fuller, bring it back with Aaron Jones. I would guess that's the most popular way to stack that game. Like I talked about at the beginning, Rodgers, Adams, and David Johnson could be a nice way to get access to that that a lot of people won't have. So I think that will keep people off of him as well. And the fact that David Johnson just hasn't looked very good and people don't want to play him. Yeah, I mean, David David Johnson has, you know, I think his most famous moment in the last year is him jogging on a pitch, right, to the left-hand side. That video went viral and people are talking about how slow he is. Um, he hasn't really had that monster performance to get all those Cardinals bad games out of the average person's head that I think people continue to look past David Johnson and, you know, 20 touch upside in a high total game again in a good matchup that no one if his ownership's going to be low. I mean, that's the kind of guy you just play regardless of his talent. McKissick is really interesting, not from like trying to play him this week, but as he eats into Antonio Gibson's share, like he continues to play like more snaps. They play on the field at the same time. And all of a sudden McKissick is getting run in the running game, which was never on the table before. That's what we saw last week. Like eight carries from him doesn't again, doesn't seem like a lot. That's all just chipping away at Gibson's bottom line. And we know that he is the preferred pass catching back out of the backfield when they go two minute drill or if they get down, if this is a high pace game, I think we see a lot of McKissick here. So I'm kind of off gibson this week yeah i mean listen it, it was a way to try to be a little bit different where if they get up because gibson you know he saw nine carries to mckissick's eight and obviously they kyle allen really likes to target the running backs um i do think at some point gibson takes over uh this backfield um, i don't know if it's this week i'd rather be a little early than late he's not probably not a single entry or three max play he's probably a large field play um I'm not, I don't even, I pray, he probably wouldn't even be on my roster. So I just wanted to mention the fact that I think that at some point we're going to be really surprised that Gibson played 75% of the snaps and that week he could be a GPP winning type play. Sub 5K, realistically, is there anyone you'd consider playing? Any of the Patriots backs? Maybe Jeff Wilson if Mostert is out in this matchup? P. Ryan against the Bills and your mighty Jets? <laughs> um, the Jets are losing games by 18 points and not covering the spread by 11. That is impressively bad football. Um, no, I, I, I think Jamison Crowder is the only Jet you can consider. Uh, but again, it, uh, sub 5K, it's Kenyon Drake. He's clearly a tier above everybody else there. And last week was the first well, time well, Drake looked... I was going to say, we know he's going to garner a ton of ownership in this matchup at 4,800 bucks. Is he just a pure fade? Um, I want to see how high the ownership is. And for me, it would have to be um, in a game stack. Like, let's say it was, um, let's say it's 25%. Does that mean you're going to him or going away from him? Or is it a fish? If he's 25%. Or, or, or is it a fish play to play him? I'm never going to live this down. Uh, <laughs> what I would say is that if he's going to be 25% and David Johnson's going to be 10%, I would much rather play David Johnson. Okay, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think it's just interesting to see how you stack up these games. Is this also a spot to potentially go to Edmonds instead of Drake? Because uh, it's one big run that, I mean, Drake looked pretty good in that game, to be perfectly honest. He got all the volume. We know he's going to get the goal line work. And Edmonds was barely used. But in a game where you're going to have to be passing a lot against the Seahawks, that does reek of Edmonds over Drake getting himself more involved. Now, it would almost have to be a swift situation where he get, you know he catches a pass, he breaks one off, he gets to the end zone but we've seen him used in goal line packages in the receiving game with drake as misdirection and i doubt anyone is going to go to Edmonds because everyone wants drake all of a sudden yeah i think that's a really sharp call because you know that that game script basically destroyed Edmonds because they got up so big and he's he's much more involved in the passing game and then they just kind of fed drake that's the first time all year where drake has made people miss and looked explosive so that is a big deal but Edmonds is a guy at 4,900 is a, is a great pivot when game stacking that game, because I don't think people are going to look that direction. Um, but I mean, Drake's definitely in play for cash at 4,800, just on a pure volume standpoint and that high of an off uh, high of a total with the touchdown equity he does have in that offense. Wide receivers for week seven 
on DraftKings. DeAndre Hopkins, once again, the highest-owned guy. He's admitted he's been dealing with an ankle injury each of the past two weeks, but he's going to be fine, he says. Devontae Adams at 79. Michael Thomas may or may not be back. Then you got Ridley, Metcalf, Julio, back up in price after his like season low ever. And Steph Diggs at 7,000. No one is going to use Diggs here, although I don't want to give up too much away behind the paywall, but Sabersim and their projections, their early projections, have Josh Allen as the highest-projected player on the slate, Elliot, in terms of points, which means Diggs is probably not far behind yeah i mean the, the jets are so bad uh this is going to be a theme but the jets are 32nd uh dvoa um covering the pass and they're 32nd dvoa covering the deep ball and they're 29th dvoa covering wide receiver ones uh that leads to a lot of stefan Diggs and josh allen has been a guy uh bill's mafia don't kill me that has been very matchup dependent where he's had He's played better defenses and he hasn't really come through. And then he's really blown up teams like the Jets and Dolphins, who in his career, he averages 27 DK points per game against. So I think this is a really strong matchup for Diggs, who's seeing 40% of the team air yards, who's not going to get the attention, who's really going up against guys like, you know, Fuller, Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, DK Metcalf, guys that people want attention in those games. Um, The Dolphins got up too much last week too quickly and really kind of pulled the the restraints. I don't think the Bills are going to do that. They've shown this year they're going to go four wide. They're going to attack vertical. They're going to continue to work on Josh Allen. The Jets are a pass funnel defense. I think Diggs is a really good play this week. So you can go, I mean, that would be a stack that no one has, although the the implied team total for the Bills is incredibly high. When people just look at game totals, it's a lot lower than you would actually want to stack up a game. And you probably don't even need to bring it back with Crowder if you don't want to. You can just, or you just play, one thing about Josh Allen is where he has so much equity with his legs and the Bills' propensity to throw to like jabronis like Tyler Croft in the red zone that you could just play Josh Allen by himself in cash if you wanted to. You could Josh Allen naked is always a uh, and a you know a potentially good play, but I think Diggs. You know we've seen we're looking at twenty four targets the last two weeks. Now obviously that's inflated with the Titans game and seeing sixteen, but he's the guy that Josh Allen wants to get the ball to, um, and he's just missed a couple of monster touchdowns down the sideline as well. So I think you know Diggs is a great one, and the Jets. The one nice thing about the Jets is that if you are going to run it back, it's Jamison Crowder every single time, and the Bills stink against the slot. He's a guy we talked about when I was on the show week one uh, as one of the top plays on the board, right? And then I think he was sub-5%. He went out for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, So attacking the Bills in the slot, and Crowder's seen over 10 targets in every game this year. I don't hate him as a run back in a way that no one's going to stack that game up. You get 40% of the Jets' offense, and you get – the high-octane Bills team that's got a team total over 28 points. Uh, so uh, if you're just going to independently play some of these receivers, uh, obviously you're going to want to do it in terms of a game stack. That's how you want to construct most of your tournament lineups. But is there any solo play from $6,000 and above that you can independently get to outside of a game stack? Like if Keenan Allen is healthy, do you just play him? Yeah, I was about to say, I think Keenan Allen is awesome. I Actually, I think him and Justin Herbert is a really interesting one running it back with Keelan Cole as the – and we can talk more about Cole, um, but in terms of a bottom five slot team, uh, the the Chargers, since they missed Chris Harris, can really get attacked in the slot. And that's where Cole's running 70% of his routes. Keenan Allen is a target hog, fourth highest weighted opportunity. The Jaguars are one of the worst teams against the pass uh, in the NFL. They really struggle to cover wide receiver ones. Keenan Allen was averaging over like thir- he's averaging like 13 targets a game with Justin Herbert. That number's obviously deflated with his back spasms against the Chiefs. But even in that game, first drive, two two targets, two catches, uh, 29 yards and a touchdown, or first two drives, whatever it was. And then he came out, but he said to be fine. At 6,200, he is way too cheap, cheap on DraftKings for 10-plus targets in a great matchup. So I think he's a guy that you can absolutely play on your own. And then obviously you can fal- you can stack up that Falcons-Lions uh, game pretty easily, but uh, Kenny Galladay is in a really strong position against the Falcons team. Should see a lot of A.J. Terrell in this one. They've really struggled covering the deep ball. He saw 40% of the team's air yards last week. Um, he's he's getting healthy. You attack the, the um, Falcons on the side of the field. He runs his routes. You attack them vertically. And Kenny Galladay is going to do that. So I think Galladay at 6,700 is a, is a really intriguing one-off play from that game as well. The difficult part about the Falcons this week is if you run the triple stack with Atlanta and go Matt Ryan, Julio, and Ridley, that accounts for 42% of your salary cap. Yeah, I mean, 
playing Ridley and Julio gets tough. And then you, if you're going to do that, you probably run it, want to run it back with Galladay. Or you're going to Swift go Swift or, I mean, Marvin Jones looks super dusty. And then, Hawkinson is probably actually the answer to that question, although he's right, very expensive at, at 5,000. It is the single best matchup you can have. Yeah, the, the thing about Hawkinson, right, is that if you're going to pay up for Julio and Ridley and your quarterback, and then you pay up for Hawkinson, you're 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 getting real low on the totem pole in the other uh, with the other positions. Well, it's Kenyon Drake for sure. Yes. That, that yes. Kenyon Drake is instantly slotted into that lineup. Probably David Johnson and probably David Johnson. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Unless 100%. you do. So, actually, in that sack, you probably would bring it back with Swift because it would save you money at running back. Yes. Yeah. Um. But I mean, Julio Jones makes such a difference to that offense for for every single player. Um, and I know he takes targets away from like Russell Gage, but um, Calvin Ridley is going to get a better matchup. Matt Ryan has so much more um, options open for him as Julio just opens up the entire field for everybody. So that game could absolutely shoot out. It is my least favorite of the three, but that doesn't mean that it's not a great game. Um, I think Galladay is going to be the top option in that Lions offense. And in that range as well, Tyler Lockett's too cheap at 6,600 with the Cardinals being the second worst team in the NFL against the slot. Uh, this is the, the game where if you can get t- the Tyler Lockett um, increased usage, you know, when he has over eight targets, he averages over 100 yards and a touchdown in games. So when he gets over 10 targets, he's averaging like 130 yards per game. Uh, Lockett, I think, is a really intriguing guy at 6,600 in that game. So almost like at running back, where I think that Zeke is going to come in wildly under own, even though it's in the highest projected point total game of the week, I don't know if people are going to go to Devontae Adams. Maybe as a one-off in terms of Texan stacks as the bring back, but I really do think they'll just take Aaron Jones in that spot, that coming off a bad game and a terrible matchup now in an incredibly good matchup, that Devontae Adams has the potential to kind of go, you know, I don't want to say like 1% owned, but like 11% owned, where everyone else is like 20 yeah, and I also think people are going to want to pay up for running backs, which will lead the pay-up wide receivers a little bit lower. And then if someone's going to spend up, they're going to look at DeAndre Hopkins against the team that's worse than the NFL against wide receivers. Um, so I, I think Adams will go overlooked. And, you know, frankly, you can make a strong argument that when people want to play Jones, you play Adams. And when people want to play Adams, you play Jones. That's actually a pretty good way to do it. If there was a third to throw in, to like, would you go Rogers, Adams, Jones, or would you go Rogers, Adams, Valdez, Scantling, or Bob Tanyan, or one of those guys? It would probably be Robert Tanyan, just to be different. Um, whenever, whenever there's a high-scoring game and there's low-owned tight ends in it, I think that's a great way to to be different and gain leverage on the game. Uh, so it'd probably be Robert Tanyan. The hard part is that the Packers' offense is incredibly concentrated when Jones and Adams are on the field. If COVID can't catch Odell Beckham, what chance do the Bengals have? Um, not sure the, about the scientific facts on, on this question. Uh, Odell Beckham is more likely to catch COVID than for 100 yards, apparently, though, right, with what he's done since he's gone to the Cleveland Browns. I think you'll see the Browns be pretty conservative with how bad Baker looked last week. I don't, you know, Beckham has shined in good matchups this year. Uh, and since he's come to the Browns, he's going to carry a little, very little ownership. I do think the Browns really rely on their run game and don't throw over 25 times in this game. He's not a guy that I'm currently looking at, though. I do think the Bengals on the other side, we saw the last time they played this game, they threw the ball over 50 times. Joe Burrow is performing lower than his expected fantasy points more than any other quarterback in the NFL this year. Uh, he's going to have the volume. He he's, he should be seventh in the NFL on passing touchdowns. He's really 19th. I think um, the Bengals passing offense is more where I'd want to go in this one with the Browns running game. Yeah, you could play Kareem Hunt and then bring him. I mean, I like Austin Hooper as well. I just He continues to get targets every single week, and his price rarely goes up. But T. Higgins is someone I've actually played every single week since he broke out on the scene, and he's been good almost every single If he wasn't tackled on the one-yard line last week, he I think he scored 20 <clears throat> points anyway. Then, then you're looking at like a 30-point game. He's getting all of the end zone targets when they get in close. And if Burrow is passing, maybe that's the reason that they're not scoring touchdowns. I don't know. But if that's going to be a possible regression game for Burrow positively, it could be for T. Higgins and touchdowns as well. Oh, Higgins is one of my favorite plays of the week. Uh, you're, he's led the team in snaps. You know, that game that A.J. Green had against the Browns, 
where he just absolutely disappointed on national TV and everyone realized that like he's not the player he was. Higgins has taken over that role. He leads the team in snaps the last two weeks. The last four weeks, he's seeing 35% of the air yards, 23% of the targets. Uh, he's the, the top option for Joe Burrow right now against the Bengals, uh, Brown secondary. That's not particularly good. You know, if this is a um, pace up game for the Bengals offense, he could see double digit targets at sub 10% ownership. And those guys are always very intriguing. Well, my favorite guy, I called him my, the best buy low in football on Monday's waiver wire show. And I don't know how popular he's going to be, but I'm going to guess it's very. My guy, Score McLaurin, high T in this game against Dallas. Couldn't ask for a better matchup, really. And he's been doing it. He's been posting like average baseline points in the worst matchups possible. He's not even over $6,000. I don't know how much people are going to attack this game. Maybe he's too expensive after people game stack that you just can't go to him, but I am going out of my way to figure out an opportunity to play Terry McLaurin. Because if you just look at Chase Claypool, who's sitting right there at $100 cheaper, I think people will go to them. But I, I just find Claypool is going to be very difficult to figure out week to week, where I know that McLaurin, you could basically just pencil him in for 13 targets in this game. Yeah, I mean, he's seeing 62% of the team's air yards since the quarterback change. He's got the second highest weighted opportunity score in the NFL. Uh, he's going up against Daryl Worley, who has an 83% catch rate allowed. He runs a lot of his routes on the right side of the field where the Cowboys are the worst team in the NFL. Uh, or sorry, second worst team in the NFL. Like This is the matchup for Terry McLaurin, who's had some of the roughest matchups in the league. Uh, I think he's going to be popular. I'm a little nervous. It's like the Will Fuller game against the Falcons where he kept letting people down last year. And then he ended up as Uber chalk. Um, if he's sub 20%, I think he's an amazing play. I think you just go with him anyway, to tell you the truth. I probably will. He'll, it, I mean, in that, Will, in that Will Fuller game, in that Will Fuller game you talked about, it, you had to use him or you didn't win. Yes. Oh, that, that, that week was absurd, right? It was him. It was, was it Julio, Michael Thomas, and, um, Aaron Jones also scored four touchdowns. There's like four guys you had to play. Otherwise, you were in big trouble as they were dropping 40-point games. But, yeah, I think Terry McLaren is – he's going to be the first name I click on in cash. I think starting with him and Keenan Allen, those are the two best one-offs um, at the wide receiver position. What do you do with Michael Thomas? Um I'm guessing we're talking about the one on the Saints, right? Not the one on the Bengals. No, that, that, um, who's that, actually, that's actually, who's actually outscored the other one this that's, year. That's Mike Thomas, not Mike. I Thomas. apologize. Um, it is funny that some of the people trolling me about Derrick Henry said that Mike Thomas was the good Mike Thomas, but that's for, that's a story for another day. Um, I'm probably going to stay off him right now. If he's battling hamstring injuries, he's battling um, ankle injuries. Um, the Panthers have been pretty good against wide receivers. I really think they'll, They'll use the um, rely on their run game in this one, but um, he's not the worst play in the world. If he's going to be low owned, I just I would rather play Devontae Adams if okay. I'm going to go up that high, and then I or I would rather pay, play Hopkins. I'm or you. actually Metcalf, I also think he's in a better spot for four hundred dollars cheaper. Okay. If we go below $5,000 and we're looking for one-offs or potential guys to add, obviously Christian Kirk and his big play potential against Seattle at $4,900. I don't think – is Jamal Adams going to be back for this game? Because it doesn't – early reports seemed like he wouldn't be, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, you really never know who someone's going to – the Friday night injury reports are really huge. Uh, but right now I would say that Jamal Adams looks unlikely to go. Yeah, that's why I do the Friday night Pat Mayo Experience injury report after the Friday practices happen. That way we have a better sense. I'm doing a question and answer period in the comment section of that video as well if you do want to check that out. So, Kirk, you had mentioned Cole's hole, Keelan Cole, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy are both down in this range. The two that I really want to kind of hit on here, maybe three, just because I like their potential spots. One is Marvin Jones, who's been abysmal, but now gets Atlanta. Randall Cobb is the potential forgotten piece against his former team, the Packers, in that high shootout game. And the other one, after everyone played him in showdown, he did nothing. McCole Hardman in the snow game, where no one's using Chiefs this week. And we didn't even talk about Tyreek Hill. And the weeks that you don't talk about Tyreek Hill is the Tyreek Hill five-touchdown game. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, I always think weather is overrated, but if there's legit five inches of snow on the ground and 25 mile per hour winds, that's that's a legit concern. Uh, Hardman's issue is that the Robinson is legit outplaying him. 
Hartman also saw a fair amount of Trey White, but he's just getting on the field more than he is. Uh, there's a couple guys in that range that I think are sneaky. Um, Deontay Johnson is only $4,200. Uh, if he's fully back this week, he's still the wide receiver one on that team in terms of targets. Uh, I know people are going to go Claypool. Juju Smith-Schuster looks horrendous. But Johnson's still a guy against a weak t- Titan secondary in a pace-up spot uh, that could see eight-plus targets. That's that's real cheap exposure to that game. If he doesn't go, and it looks like he is going to go, James Washington is a good vertical threat. You're looking at a guy in Malcolm Butler who really struggles against the deep ball. Um, so I think those guys are worth talking about. Randall Cobb is a, is a one-off in that game. Um, I'm going to say this name just because I want to say the stat, and then I'm going to say that I wouldn't play him anyway. But Larry Fitzgerald is going up against the worst slot defense in the NFL, allowing 126 yards per game to slot the slot position. Larry Fitzgerald is running like 90% of his routes in the slot. Now, he could see 126 targets, and he might not get 126 yards, but he has cheap exposure to potentially get a touchdown in 50 yards. That's probably his ceiling. Um, and Marvin Jones, like you mentioned, what he does well or used to do well is exactly what the Falcons struggle with. He's just looked so bad this year. If we take a look at projection systems, the projection systems love guys like Nikhil Harry, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson this week. Yeah. Um, I don't mind more at all. Um, I think you saw him start to take a bigger role in that offense. He could see Marshawn Lattimore, but I'm not particularly worried about that. The Panthers receivers, again, if, if it becomes a pass funnel defense where they're throwing the ball a lot, Moore and Anderson are two guys to look at as potential runbacks to make the your Camara teams different that correlate well. Tight ends. Is it a pay down week like it is every week? I mean, right? It's it's a week in the NFL, and it means I'm probably going to pay down at the position. I mean, it's, it's amazing how different this slate is than last week's slate, right? Because the 57-point total games are on the main slate. And then we get George Kittle and Travis Kelsey back on the main slate. Uh, so there's definitely guys worth paying up for. Kelsey has got the highest floor of any tight end. Uh, we mentioned the weather. No one's going to play Kittle because no one's really looking at that game. Um, but there are definitely guys that are cheaper that I think are intriguing prices. Hunter Henry is too cheap. Uh, guys like you mentioned Austin Hooper against the Cincinnati Bengals team that's been bad against tight ends for a really long time. Uh, Hayden Hurst is uh, cheap exposure to be different in that game. I think Dalton Schultz is a guy that against a Washington team that's 32nd DVOA, uh, any Dalton's underneath targets matches up well with Schultz. Schultz we've seen him be uh, a guy that has some some upside this year. And then, you know, guys like Jordan Aikens, if he's a go. Darren Fells, if he's not. Um, I want to say a name, but I don't want to get clowned by you. Uh, Drew Sample <laughs> is a guy that's $3,200, has not done much, but does lead the team in snaps. And his one big game came against the Browns, where the tight ends in the Bengals had 14 targets in that game. Yeah, that was, all, that was, that was also the game he came in for Uzma after yep. he had his uh, season-ending Achilles injury. Since then, I think he's averaging a target and a half a game. Uh, he had one game with five targets and 47 yards. But, yes, no, again, I told you you were going to make fun of me for the take. I just wanted to throw it out there that the Browns are, you know, they give up touchdowns left and right. We talk about Joe Burrow potentially throwing 45, 50 times in this game. He's $3,200. Um, I don't think there is a Trey Burton play this week necessarily. Um, Chris Herndon's going up against a team that's allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends this year. But he – and, you know, I know he was a very popular person for what he did the first four or five games of his career, but he's just an afterthought. Joe Flacco didn't look his way once. Um, I, so I won't go in that direction. If, uh, if it, John, yeah, I was gonna say, if John who doesn't go, is everyone just gonna go. use Ferkster? Yeah. It seems yes. like a good fade. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. I mean, punt tight ends with Uber ownership. <laughs> There's a lot of ways for that to go wrong. Um, because, you know, he could score six, seven points three or four catches for 35 yards, and then that's it. Eric Ebron's a guy that's a little interesting against a Titans team that's not good against uh, covering tight ends. I, You know, last week he did nothing against the Browns team in a good matchup. But, you know, if the Titans get up, the Steelers have to throw more. He's a potential guy as well in that 4K range. Um, for me, it's, it's really going to be um, the Texans tight end um, Aikens if – if he's able to go, and if not, I'll probably go up a little bit more to that 4K range where I think those guys actually have 15, 20-point ceilings. 
I like Logan Thomas. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys are horrendous at everything, right? Yeah, and he gets, that's that's and the he, thing. Yeah. So I mean, he's he he kind of went from that eight plus targets a game to the new quarterbacks. He has eight targets in two weeks. Uh, he's got forty six yards with since the quarterback change. We did get in the end zone again. The Cowboys are bad at everything on defense. They are they are abysmal. Um, so I don't mind getting Washington exposure. And if you're not going to play McLaren, it makes sense to probably go Logan Thomas because they're going to give up points to somebody. So let's talk about the quarterbacks in the stacks. Kyle Allen, McLaurin, Thomas, bring it back with Zeke. Is anyone doing that? No. And if you do that, you still have enough money to go pay for other top-end options in other games. I mean, stacking the Dallas game on the main slate has basically worked every single time. But it's also when Dak Prescott was there. But teams are score. I mean, even the Giants scored 31 points against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up. I probably won't go that direction. But I, I certainly don't mind, like, Zeke McLaren um, stacks with Logan Thomas. I'll probably go up to a different quarterback just because I, I don't know if Allen's quite got that upside. But he's so he is $5,200. Threw 42 times last week. No, I. <laughs> you're not getting me to say that Kyle Allen is a great play on the show, um, so you can enjoy the fish the fish highlight reel the next week. But um, I don't hate it, but I won't go that direction. If you're going to pay down, you mentioned Burrow. I think Burrow's a decent play here. You could get some nice Teddy B love against the Saints if those corners are still somewhat banged up, and that is an offense that no one seems to be targeting, potentially outside of Mike Davis. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the, you want to be different with your Alvin Kamara team? Run it back with Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson or Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore, and he could throw 40-plus times. And Bridgewater is also running, and it's a pass-funnel defense and a pace-up spot. So I don't mind Bridgewater. I do think, like, Justin Herbert's going to go overlooked, a guy that scored over 19 DK points, has rushed four more times every game this year. The Jaguars are bottom of the barrel pass defense. We talked about how good um, Keenan Allen's matchup is. He's been awesome vertically down the field. So I I think, you know, guys like Hunter Henry and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are all in good spots. Uh, I I really like that game to go over 49. Um, I think there could be some back and forth in that one. So I think Herbert is another guy. I will throw caution to that game. That's what I mentioned to Feinberg, big Chargers fan on the spread pick show is that the chargers play to the level of their competition always. So they might just look shitty in this game against the shitty Jags. Yeah. I mean, that that's a fair counterpoint, right? Cause they did not look good against the Panthers. Um, it's, it's tough for me. It's a different quarterback. It's a, the, the numbers say that they could really go off and I don't think people are going to look Justin Herbert's direction. I think if you were going to take a play like that, I mean, Herbert's fine. uh, And with the rushing upside, you can do it. But Tannehill is the one that really intrigues me. Just because, as you mentioned, that at the line of scrimmage, Pittsburgh is great. But no Devin Bush anymore. I'm curious to see how that affects the Steelers' defense. And A.J. Brown, everyone loved him last week. He came through for everyone last week. No one's going to play him this week. No one's playing Tannehill, despite the fact that if you just, like, prorate his 16 games, like, he's an MVP. I mean, he's got three or more touchdowns in three of the last four games, right? They're running a pace-up offense. They're throwing the ball more. This is a team that I think that he threw over 30 passes three times last year, and he's done it in three of five games this year. Uh, over 40 passes, um, three of five games. So, Or, sorry, two of five games. So I, he's got the volume. He's got some rushing upside as well. Uh, the Steelers can be attacked vertically. You know, that defense is really good, but they've also played bottom-of-the-barrel offenses. You can make the – off the the vice versa argument with the fact that the Titans have played bottom of the barrel defenses this year with the Bills defense being the best one they've played. Um, But it's, it's a way to be different. Right. And we just talked about Deontay Johnson as a cheap guy. Uh, Tannehill, AJ Brown, Deontay Johnson leaves a lot of salary on the table. If we go back to that question from the very beginning of the show, those three games that you could stack, if you ranked the six stacks in that game, just the pure offense, don't talk about bringbacks. As of right now, you want to play the quarterback from those games. Who would be your preferred quarterback to play? Uh, Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller. Okay. Who would or, be second? And if I'm just supposed to say the quarterback, it's Deshaun Watson against a, a team that does not get pressure. That is Deshaun Watson's biggest Achilles heel. If you complete 85% of your passes against a team 
or against uh, in a clean pocket against a team that is only getting pressure on 17% of dropbacks as an underdog with the highest total, um, you know, with the new coaching staff that's throwing the ball vertically more, getting Brandon Cooks involved more with um, Will Fuller. I think that the Houston Texans are going to score 28 plus points this week. And I think he'll, he could very easily account for a lot of it. Plus his legs. Who is the worst quarterback to stack with from those games? Is it Rogers or Stafford? Uh, for me, it's probably Stafford or um, honestly, Ryan. I don't love either one of those guys just because they don't have the rushing upside. I, th- I think Allen is a guy that, like you mentioned before, is a really good way to be different. And Kyler Murray's rushing upside is absurd. I mean, he's got more rushing upside right now than Lamar Jackson, and he continues not to get priced like it against a team that is the worst against all three wide receiver positions in a high total game. So if it's not going to be Deshaun Watson, it's pri- probably Kyler Murray for me. So, so what's the Kyler Murray stack? Is it Murray, Hopkins, Kirk, Murray, Hopkins, Edmonds? Like, where are we looking at with that? Yeah, I I think you could do – I mean, Murray, Hopkins is the obvious one. That's probably going to be most popular. Uh, Kirk has a ton of upside in that game. And I think Edmonds is – you know, you could do um, as well. And obviously the runbacks for Seattle, you could do Carson or you could do Lockett or you could do Metcalf. Or both. Um, You could – yeah, or both. Or you could even just say it's just a Murray-Hopkins game, which we've seen mo- many times this year, and then run it back with Carson and Lockett. Hmm. I know I cheated there by – you said I can't talk about runbacks, but um, I think that game's important to mention the other side is a fairly concentrated offense as well. Let's talk about defenses. You mentioned the Washington professional football team. Uh, they will be the highest-known defense of the week, and I think they actually have the best matchup of the week too. Yeah, I mean, the Andy Dolan – has really struggles under pressure and the Cowboys are missing all their offensive line starters and they're playing below replacement level guys against an elite front four. So I think that's a really good one. Could you go to the other side and play the Cowboys against the worst offensive line in football? You could. The issue is that they're pretty terrible at everything. Yeah, uh, and, they, and, and they don't get pressure, which sucks. But uh, in terms of adjusted sack rate, Washington is last in the league, getting sacked on almost one of every 10 dropbacks. Yeah, I, I, was, I would probably rather go like the Browns, who do get pressure against uh, Bengals front that could be thrown 50-plus times and with one of the worst offensive lines. And they're probably, only tw- yeah, they're only twenty eight hundred bucks too. I was actually thinking about someone like the Cardinals at twenty three hundred dollars because that's one of the underexploited things. You risk getting minus three points from your defense. That's definitely on the table against Seattle. Seattle's offensive line horrendous. Arizona's going to get sacks in this game, and you just have to hope that one of them, one of the sacks, turns into a fumble, turns into a touchdown. That you get access if you want to fade the Cardinals' offense, taking their defense and hoping points come through that route or a special teams touchdown is a really unique way to get leverage in that game against everyone else. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the points per game for defense, the Cardinals are averaging seven points per game, which is the third most on the slate. So if you want to say, you know what, I'm going to buy into this Cardinals defense. I'm going to say that Byron Murphy is taking the next step. Patrick Peterson still has some juice left. Buda Baker in that secondary has been everywhere. Um, that they're not going to miss Chandler Jones that much. That they're going to actually be able to win this game. You know, they're only three-point dogs. And they're going to be able to slow it down a little bit. You know, all six Cardinals games this year have gone under the total. Uh, though one depended on when you got it, if you got it when it came out or most of the week it went over and then it just closed a point higher and then it hit the middle. But, you know, you can make the argument that the Cardinals defense at $2,300 is one of the better values if you just look at the unit. The issue is Russell Wilson doesn't turn the ball over very much. Um, no, you know, who does, you, know, you know who does turn the ball over a lot and loves Oh, I know where we're going. Jets D, 2K. Yes. Uh, um. I don't know if I can do it. You know, the Josh Allen stuff makes sense, right? He takes some bad sacks. The Jets defense has, you know, gotten – I remember week one last year, they they scored like 15 points against them. Hey, they scored seven points in week one this year against the Bills, and that was at Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they should be 2K, but a team that doesn't really generate pressure and gives up points in bunches and doesn't really force turnovers other than against Brett Rippon uh, makes me nervous. Um, but they're 2K, so you don't really need much out of them. You really need the Jets to get like six points and no defensive touchdowns from other teams. 
I mean, they, they're basically, they have the same adjusted, like, pressure rate in, or adjusted sack rate, sorry, as the Browns do this year. Like, it's not, they're not abysmal. They're not good, but they're not horrible either. Yeah. Um, they get pressure in the interior fairly well. Um, and, the Bills just, just, and the Bills just cut their best guard for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, that one was a surprising one. Listen, I get it. Uh, and this might be a little bit of bias just with how bad the Jets are. Um, and you definitely would want to be confident that if the Bills get up, they they continue to push the ball down the field, which is something we've talked about. For 2K, I think you can definitely do worse. Like, I prefer them over uh, the Texans for sure, or the Lions, or the Falcons. Yeah, me too. I just – I. In this circumstance, I, I just no one's going to use them because they're the fucking Jets, and then you probably shouldn't use them. But I'm not paying up for a defense on a slate like this where I need to get access to the best running backs and best receivers. Like I'd rather just take the chance. Oh, I, I don't think you can play the Bills defense at forty seven hundred dollars, for example. Like it's just the Dolphins at twenty nine hundred against the Jets were a gift from the DK gods, right? Like that was absurd. Um, and the Browns and Washington are probably that defense. But, you know, there's definitely scenarios where, you know, variances, defense is impacted by variance the most, where the Jets defense ends up um, outscoring Washington or outscoring the Browns, and then you're really in front of the field. Where would you pay up if you were in, like, how much would you pay up for? Like, what is the most expensive defense you can see yourself getting to? Chargers? With Melvin Ingram? With Mel- Melvin Ingram might be back for this game. Yeah, I mean, Gardner Minshew has been a disaster since week one where he what set the completion percentage record with 95% since then he's been horrendous. Um, you could definitely make that argument. You could say, listen, I think the Steelers are going to beat the Titans and I think they are going to get pressure and I think they're going to expose the Titans. Um, the, a team that gets that much pressure and blitzes that much at low ownership is always an intriguing thing where, I mean, I did it last week with the Browns and they scored 18 points, but I probably won't go that direction. Because I don't, I don't think this is the best matchup for them to do it in. So what we've come to the conclusion of is lock button Jets D. Yeah, well, that's what you've come to the conclusion on. Uh, <laughs> do I just? I, how I, about this? Do I just eat the chalk and take Washington? I do think that they're point for dollar the best defensive play uh, on the slate. And if I'm going to pay up a little bit more, it would be the Browns. And if I'm going to pay up a little bit or pay down a little bit, it would be the Jets. Those would be the three defenses. Because, like you said, it's it's not a week where I want to cut salary because i need to get to these other guys like i don't necessarily want to pay 4700 for a keelan cole i want to pay 5800 for terry mclaren well who would pay would you rather pay 4700 dollars for keelan cole or bills d (laughs) see i would rather pay 4700 for keelan cole like the the bills d is probably going to score double digit points especially if joe flacco plays and the jets are a pick six waiting to happen and I get that's nerve-wracking, but 4,700 points for a defense where they probably end up with 8 to 10 points is just not worth it. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Week 7 DraftKings Picks and Preview. Elliot, what good advice do you have coming out this week on FTNDaily.com? I've got my advanced matchup plays, which is determined by the best analytical matchups. i got my top 10 under 10 where I'm looking at the guys with 10% ownership or less and uh, game theory and the best plays that people are looking past got my cash game locks got a thursday night football showdown shows and articles and you know going to be making a guest appearance on um fade the chalk Derek brown's podcast that's phenomenal that you guys should all check out is it more phenomenal than this show um i you're putting me in a tough spot here. yeah hey you want to talk about phenomenal shows you know what's phenomenal the fucking pat mayo experience pal agree listen do you get better than the pat mayo experience I mean, when you name a show an experience, that's how you know you've reached a whole nother level. Because you're no longer watching a show, you're, you're having an experience. It's true. And it was, I mean, the PME was, you know, I mean, Joe Rogan has the show, the Joe Rogan experience. The PME was around longer than that. I'm not going to lie to you. He may have stole the name. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think it was the, it's for shows, it's Joe Rogan. And for experiences, it's Pat Mayo. There we are. All right. Elliot Christian, can follow him on Twitter. 1L Elliot where he gives out the worst takes around, and you can just make fun of him on Twitter. So hopefully this week goes better for you. You're due for a rebound. If you want to get some of the tools that we've been talking about, you go to FTNDaily.com. There's a list of free tools. You want the premium tools. They're already at a discount. Use code MAIL. You get more of a discount on that. My cheat sheet will be up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com. Smash the like on the way out and give me your favorite defense of the week. Is it the Jets? It's probably not going to be the Jets. It's probably going to be Washington. Other than that, thank you all for watching. Go win some bucks this week, all right? We'll see you next time. Family.
experience. Experience. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.